In today's show, we have an amazing guest, some awful news, and an above average business recap. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 25 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I am coming to you from the Batcave. In today's episode, we've got continuing bad news from four resellers from shippers that we'll get into. There are some silver linings out there, and we'll get into all of that. I've got a pretty decent and fairly interesting business recap, but first, I wanted to share with you an amazing interview I did with Dave Midwest Picker on YouTube. We had a great chat and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it and let's stop missing about and get right to it. Hey everybody, welcome to the second ever Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast interview. I am really excited tonight to have with me one of the more entertaining YouTube resellers out there. Uh, He's got a great live show that he does every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. He'll do trivia contests, um, giveaways. He did a weird flavored candy cane test, I think, this past weekend. So please give a warm Galaxian welcome to Dave Midwest Picker. We spare no expense on the sound effects here, Dave. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. I don't think I've done a recorded um, StreamYard yet, so this is kind of fun. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. The one I did the other day, for some reason, the recording was corrupt, so I got the audio all on the roadcaster, so that all worked out, but I don't have any video for it. So that will be interesting to see, <laughs> or yeah. not see, as the case is. So <laughs> for any of my viewers who may not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Dave. I live in West Michigan. I'm a registered nurse, graduated nursing school in 1995. Um, work from home due to the public health emergency since March of this year. So that's trying to get used to that. Um, been on eBay since January of 2002. Just a casual seller. Probably buy more than I sold in the beginning. Um, and then probably around May of 2019, I started ramping up my reselling whether craigslist or ebay and signed up with macari and started out very slow maybe 100 listings and my sister noticed that i was selling items because i i would share it with her or share it on instagram and she said you know could you teach me how to resell and i thought wow that that could take all day (laughs) that's a lot of information right i said i've got this youtube channel of videos of my son playing football and my niece's birthday party. I mean, it's nothing. Nobody watches it, probably four subscribers. And um, I said, how about if I make a how-to video? Market is private or unlisted, and I'll just text you the link, and I'll just walk you through how to list and how to source and how to take pictures and everything you need to know, and then you can just watch them. And I think, I'll give her the credit, I think she's the one that said, well, why don't you just make them public? Right. Why private? I thought, well, because of my face, I don't know how to talk. I, don't know I have no lighting. You know, I'm using a flashlight for a light, you know. So I thought, yeah, I don't, I'm not a shy guy, but I thought the production value would be bad. And she's like, just do it. See what happens. So right. I changed my YouTube name. I've had four different YouTube names. My most recent one, I think, was Dash Cam Dave. It's like there's 18 guys out there with the name Dash Cam Dave on YouTube. So I thought, well, I got to have something related to flipping or picking or right. whatever. 
I wanted Michigan Picker. I changed it to Midwest Picker. Um, there was nobody that had that name, so I quickly grabbed it. And then I went to GoDaddy and saw there was a domain available, so I picked the domain. Nice. So I got MidwestPicker.com, and I thought, okay, let, let's do this. And I got a legal pad out, and I wrote out a script for my first video, and 15 pages later, I thought, I got the script for my next 15 videos. Sure. And just started recording and um, put myself out there, and it's, the rest is history. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. it kind of started with the the how-tos, and it's really aimed more at beginners on eBay, if I I'm if I've followed the progress of the channel right. That was kind of what you were mm-hmm. going for, helping her out and then doing those videos. When did it develop into more than that? Um, it's kind of funny. I didn't even know there was a reselling community on YouTube. I mean, I've always used YouTube, um, but I didn't know that there was a community for everything crocheting oh yeah pottery do it yourself um uh, appliance repair gardening um so i'd never watched a reseller video in my life and i just i happened to be looking for something on youtube and um i typed ebay for beginners and there was very few channels that had that in their title of their videos i thought well i'm going to go with that because i want to help people new to reselling Um, so I put that in the titles of my videos and then on the suggested side, it said taco stacks and Cincinnati Cincinnati picker. I'm like, Cincinnati picker talk. What is a taco stack? (laughs) So I I clicked on it and he's going around picking stuff out of the trash and selling it on eBay. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I started to discover that there's an entire community of resellers. I had no idea. And then, um, so I subscribed to a few, then I got notices that they were live. I'm like, live, what's a live YouTube video? I have no idea. Um, so the more you explore and the more you, you know, expand your horizons, you start to discover all of these things, um, all different communities. Some people are into retail arbitrage, some people are into flea marketing. Some people are, have a niche, just one area like costume jewelry and nothing else. Some people are like me. They'll sell anything they can make a buck on. Um, So the more you watch those videos, because Google owns YouTube and Google runs the world, they know what you're interested in. They know I watched 99% of this video. In this video, I only watched 2%. So they're going to suggest the one I watched 99%. And the suggested videos just kind of snowballed. And I'm like, wow, there's like an entire community. So I learned from them how to do a live video how to create thumbnails. Do I have an intro or don't I have an intro? And it's kind of like the more you watch, the more you learn. Right. So did you, did you upgrade the studio over time? Did you get lighting and all the rest of that? <laughs> yeah. I was shocked how cheap it was. <laughs> I yeah. got a ring light for like 12 bucks on Amazon. Um, yeah. I bought this big umbrella light for $25. Uh, the wall behind me, I decorated with, you know, LP albums and frames and, um, vintage pictures and I made the background more interesting at first it was like two pictures on a big white wall um, so yeah I upgraded my my lighting my background and then this headset uh, Plantronics uh, it's really nice I like it It was only $40 so um, and I got a nice uh, webcam that I'm using right now so slowly I started to add to it right speaking of the background who's the fine looking fella over your shoulder there <laughs> Yeah, that's a story. So my childhood TV shows that I loved was Land of the Lost, 
Gilligan's Island, Brady Bunch, all that stuff. And um, I thought, how cool would it be to have a picture of Enoch from Land of the Lost in a vintage frame, like from a painting, but have him in it? That would be kind of, uh, you know, ironic. And I thought, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. And this is what's really weird is I was just thinking that and talking about it to my spouse. And then what comes up on my Facebook feed, but a local artist who makes custom paintings. <laughs> That's nice. <just> scary, <laughs> scary stuff. So Facebook is always listening. <laughs> Yeah, they're always listening. Um, I think you could even power your phone off and they'd still find a way. But um, so I contacted this local artist and she makes pretty unusual paintings, all custom. And she happened to be a friend of my daughter's, which I didn't even know that. But I sent her a private message, which is weird when you're 54 and she's 23. Right. I took a chance and said, hey, I saw your advertising that you commissioned paintings. I have an idea for a painting. I'm like, oh, here we go, because she might think I'm a real weirdo. And I, I took some pictures of Enoch from Land of the Lost and sent them to her. I said, could you do this in a painting? Immediately responds and says, oh, I would love to. Absolutely not a problem. We talked about prices and size of canvas and all that. I was thinking one foot by two foot, you know, just like a little canvas be kind of cool in the background. So we agreed on a price, and she ran off to the hobby store and got all the paints and the canvas and she messages me and goes, Hey, I actually got a three foot by three foot canvas cheaper than the small one. So I just bought that. Nice. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, it's going to cover my whole wall. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, why not? Same price. So, uh, yeah. So she painted it. It's like an artist rendition. It's not like an exact duplicate. Sure. It's like her version of Enoch. Um, so I thought, yeah, why not? You know, my, my wife wasn't real thrilled. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's going in the eBay office anyway. So I didn't want it to take up half my wall, but you know, it is what it is and it gets a lot of attention and absolutely in person. You can see on his tunic and in his eyes, there's gold glitter in the paint. So it looks oh, nice. really, really nice in person, but he's kind of a sidekick now. So right. He's permanent and not for sale. I have to tell people that yeah. every week is not for sale. I was going to say, I saw in your last live, you had people popping up in the chat, how much for Enoch. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do send people photographs for free. You know, I'll, I'll send them a message on Instagram. I was like, if you want a digital photo, I'll send it to you. And, and one of my YouTube subscribers actually took it to Walmart and got a 20 by 20 print of the photo. And he's going to have that framed. So, That's yeah, awesome. definitely not sale but um yeah i'll send anybody a picture if they right. want one. speaking of sidekicks you have another oh, yeah. one that is usually with you there that uh <laughs> right there so tell us about joey yeah people always want to know about that it's not often you see a middle-aged man having a conversation <laughs> with a mannequin but um yeah so i really don't like selling clothes i mean i will but it's such a hassle and yeah. i don't know much about them I did a whole video on why I don't sell clothes. <laughs> yeah. So retail arbitrage, I, you know, I say, I say I hate selling clothes and then I turn around and I go to Kohl's and they have 90% off right. Levi's. So you, you have to buy it. Um, so that I'll do every once in a while, or if it's a vintage rock t-shirt from the seventies or eighties, that's gold. So I'll sell that. Um, but I try to avoid clothes as much as possible and I, I just hang them on a hanger and put it on a white door and take a picture and I thought you know what probably look more professional if I got a mannequin and put the shirt or the sure. jacket on a mannequin and I participate in these local um, auctions where you bid and win online and then it's curbside pickup and this one in Muskegon probably an hour from me they had these two mannequins 
And I thought, well, they're probably too expensive. And the bid was only five bucks for two of them. I thought, well, that's super cheap. I ended up winning Joey and and his um, brother Leonard for $7. So (laughs) I brought him home, set him right here next to me, and he's white styrofoam with a gold head and some people made a comment like, what is that? And I said, well, it's, it's my mannequin. I got, I got no room in this office. So he, he, the only room is right next to me. Somebody made a comment that he looked weird. So then I put a t-shirt on him so he wouldn't look as weird. Then I put sunglasses and it just kind of evolved where people started talking saying, what's his name? I'm like, so Joey from friends is kind of weird. So I said, his name's Joey. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so they started talking to him, asking him questions. He was getting more attention than me. Um, so it just turned into a big joke. And so, yeah, he's a sidekick and uh, he gets in trouble. Sometimes I catch him sending emails to people and he even got outside one time. That was embarrassing, but you know, he's a good guy. I took him thrifting one time. I was going to say, so, you've taken him out, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I took him. He rode shotgun. We went thrifting one time, and he wanted to go in Goodwill and ride inside the cart. I said, no, absolutely not. I'll end up in jail. It's not going to happen. Did you get any weird looks in the parking lot? or You know, people are so weird, they didn't even notice he was a mannequin. <laughs> you know, he's got the hat, the sunglasses, a jacket, a T-shirt, and no. Just thought he was in there, knows. crashed. Yeah. But when I do carry him from the house to the car, I always, I put a garbage bag over him and hide him because I don't want him to be walking down the driveway with this mannequin in my arms. <laughs> you know, neighbors are out raking leaves looking at me like, what in the heck? So I kind of disguise him until we get into the car. That's fine. Um, and I did do, um, I don't know if you saw the uh, Wendy's restaurant, the spicy chicky sandwich challenge. And I brought him with me to do that too. But other than that, he stays right here where he's safe. Yeah. How has the mannequin worked out for you? Has that been much better for listing clothes? I mean, obviously for seven bucks for two of them, it's hard to say it would have been a waste mm-hmm. of money, but. Mm-hmm. I have glorious plans, but I've yet to use him <laughs> as a model. I mean, I, I listed a brand new bra with tags and he did not like modeling that at all. Sure. He, I made him do it. I'm like, you're a mannequin. This is your job. But I ended up using um, like a plate holder in my uh, my light box instead. So I to this day I haven't even used him yet to model anything. That's funny, but he's been mm-hmm. wor- worthwhile as a as a sidekick for the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah, he probably gets more attention than I do. So you do a lot of different things on YouTube. It's not just the you know the how tos. You do the the live shows pretty much every week. Sometimes last week you just dropped in on Friday and did one. Do you have a preference what you do and which ones do you see that you get like the most activity off of? Um, it's hard to say because every, you try to pick a day of the week where there's not, you know, a dozen auctions or people, you know, certain people that I subscribe to, I know, okay, this person is Tuesday at 8 PM. This person's Friday at 7 PM. And you try to fit in that schedule. It's getting to the point where that's impossible. You just have to pick a day and just do it. Um, Sunday seemed pretty empty. Um, there's one auction that I know of at 8 PM on a Sunday. Um, so I'm like, I have to pick sometime. And I talked to my wife and she's like, yeah, you know, Sunday at 8 PM works great. You know, so real life always takes precedence. It's that has to be first. And then this is like secondary. And it's definitely just a hobby for me. But um, so I just picked randomly Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's I see other YouTubers. um, They'll just sit back and talk, you know, like Harry Humstone. He'll just talk to the chat and drink apple juice. He doesn't have an agenda. He's just hanging out. Other people, they have auctions. 
Um, they have like four or five people all at the same time, like a panel of guests. Right. So there's there's different ways to do it, but I just wanted to get out there and try it to see if I was good at it. Um, could navigate Streamyard, and you know, at my age, it's it's hard to um, multitask three or four things. And wow, I I am so appreciative of the people that have been doing it because trying to read the chat yeah. and talk and navigate buttons all at the same time is very difficult. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah, the Fridays and just the one-offs, that just depends on life. Like if, if my wife says, hey, I'm going to go to my mom's house for three hours and help her, you know, redecorate or whatever. I'm like, oh, <laughs> the wife's gone. The kids are in bed. Sure. I'm going to go live. Why not? i got nothing else to do. So that happens every once in a while. But I wanted to do a little more than just, you know, read the chat and, and converse. There's nothing wrong with that, doing the Q&As. But I thought, you know what, I've got, I hate to say this, but like like a death pile. I've got stuff in my eBay store going on two years. I, I just want it out of here. So I'm going to do trivia questions and just, you know, ask my viewers questions based on my old YouTube videos, maybe two or three weeks back. And if you get it right, you get this prize. And I'll eat the shipping and I'll just shoot it off to you, you know, shot glasses, cassette tapes, you know, whatever. Very cool. Uh, it's not selling for me anyways, and it gives them, you know, a free prize. So why not? Um, the taste testing, the food testing, <laughs> that's a, that's a new thing. Um, I don't know that I'll do that again because the last one was pretty horrid, but. Um, <laughs> How did that all yeah. come about? Well, I just kept hearing about these weird things. You know, somebody would comment and say, hey, did you know that there's mac and cheese flavored candy canes or Jones Cola comes out with this Thanksgiving dinner pack, like turkey flavored cola. And right, right. I thought, yeah, how fun would that be to bring to a party? Well, under the public health emergency, there are no parties. So I can't give my brother-in-law a soda and say, hey, drink this and watch the look on his face when he drinks, you know, <laughs> yams soda. Um so I thought, well, I'll just do it live. You know, that would be kind of fun. So it just kind of grew from there. Um, I don't, I can't really find the weird stuff. I, I probably could buy it online, but I was hoping to go to my local grocery store and, and find these weird things. But now that I've done it, um, yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that again. Uh, was as bad as you anticipated? I knew it wasn't going to be good, but I didn't anticipate that the candy canes would be lacking in sweetener um, because your brain is just programmed that way. You know, bad candy is at least sweet, you know, like Sour Patch Kids or whatever. Um, At least it's sweet. Well, no, (laughs) these had no sugar, no artificial sweetener at all. And then, you know, if you eat a piece of ham, it tastes great. But when your brain sees a candy cane and you put it in your mouth and it tastes like ham with no salt and pepper, no sugar, no nothing, not a honey ham, just plain ham. Um, it plays tricks on your, on your Absolutely. mind. And, um, you're like, no, this is bad. This is a really <laughs> bad idea. Uh, that's like when you pick up a drink and you think it's going to be a Dr. Pepper and it turns mm-hmm. out that it's water or, you know, it's something mm-hmm. else. It takes a while for that to register. It really tastes mm-hmm. funny until you know what it is. So I totally get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how you're uh, conditioned that way. Like, I'll be drinking iced tea every day, all the time, and then I'll forget that I that I put orange juice in my water water bottle here. And then I'll, two hours later, I'll take a swig, and I'll be like, whoa, what's, what happened? I'm like, oh, that's right, it's orange juice. So, yeah, that's kind of funny. So before we get off the YouTube thing, do you have 
any advice or any tips for anybody that's just starting a channel or thinking about starting a channel about how they should go about it and what they should do? Um, first and foremost with anything, uh, do your research. It's very tempting just to dive in, whether you want to start metal detecting, whether you want to start oil painting, whether you want to start a YouTube channel, you really have to do your research and just take a step back and be patient. It's hard to do, uh, but research it, look at other YouTubers that are, you know, have a hundred thousand subscribers and see how they do it. Um, ask for advice from other YouTubers. You know, they're, they're always happy to help out. You can send private messages to them and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Um, there's even YouTube channels that Mm -hmm. talk about how to start a YouTube channel. So my advice is always to do your research. You don't want to waste, um, precious time. Um, you know, don't spend six hours creating a three minute intro and then realize, well, that was a bad idea because it's, I don't need a three minute intro. I need a 10 second intro or maybe I don't need one at all. So my advice is to research it, um, research everything first before you start recording videos and before you start uploading them. Absolutely. Did you find the, the reseller YouTube community to be fairly open to helping you? If, did you reach out with questions and did, were people forthcoming? I did a few um, participating in live videos in the chat. I would throw questions up there, um, and they were happy to answer those for me. I, I did reach out to a few on Instagram that I was following, and then I would I'd send them a private message. Usually the smaller people are able to respond. I would say sure, 5,000 subs or less. Once they get really big, they get inundated with messages. But the smaller players, um, yeah, they respond quickly, and they're happy to help out. Um, I ask them, you know, what's your advice on a camera? I know a lot of people use a GoPro. I use my cell phone. Um, I'll ask them about lighting. I'll ask them about a microphone. Um, Some have a green screen and some don't. Some have fancy intros and some have no intros. So everybody's got an opinion. But, yeah, I found that they were very welcoming and very um, eager to help out. So shifting that then into just the pure reselling community, when you've obviously been doing this for a while, but how do you find that community? Do, do they seem to help each other or do they view each other as competitors? What's your, what's your take on that? It's amazing because even resellers who live on the same street as each other don't see each other as competitors. They actually help each other. Um, that's just anecdotal, but Sometimes you'll, they'll say, well, you know, we went to this estate sale together and I found a box of magazines and I said, hey, Bob, come here. And he pointed to him and said, I know you like magazines. And it's like four eyes are better than two and they'll actually help each other out. It's extremely rare that people are so competitive that they're not helpful that, you know, I'm not going to tell you about this. I'm not going to tell Ryan about this auction because he only lives 10 miles from me and I want to get there first. That just, I've never seen that happen. It's actually the opposite where, you know, I have friends in Muskegon that are resellers and will be partic- participating on an online auction and, and will message each other and say, hey, you're not bidding on this antique rocker, are you? Because I don't want to outbid you or raise the price for you. And they'll say, no, thanks for asking, but no, I'm not bidding on that. And we'll kind of network with each other and say, these baseball cards at this online auction, I'm going to bid on those. And they'll say, okay, well, then I'll, I'll step back and I won't. So it's very, very... Um, cooperative of what I, what I've seen. Yeah. I had that experience. I was at an estate sale with another guy who I know is a big bookseller and that's kind of one of my things. And I had seen him looking at a set of books and he didn't, he didn't put them in his tote or anything. He just kind of moved on down and I came across them and said, Hey, I really like these. And I just stopped and I said, Hey, I know you were looking at these. 
do you want them? Because if you don't, I'm going to take them. And he's like, nah, I'm going to pass. So Mm -hmm. I ended up with a collection of 25 books that I just sold the other day for 300 bucks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing is really helpful when you've got somebody that you're not, you know, button heads with at Mm -hmm. the sale. (laughs) I'm sure the estate sellers appreciate that as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So yeah. how, do, how do you manage your time? Now you mentioned you're, a, mm-hmm. you're an RN, you're doing that full-time, you're doing the reselling, you're doing multiple YouTube episodes throughout the course of a week. How do you, how do you schedule all that? Um, basically, I save a lot of it for the weekends. I do, I, so going back like a year, I would source every weekend. Um, that has caught up with me so that now every weekend I'm listing and I, I just have to list. I'm like a squirrel. I have all this stuff put aside because when the winter time, you know, you're in Ohio. So if you yep. get a blizzard or ice storms, you're not going out sourcing. You're staying right. home. So you got to have some stock to list um, as a backup plan. But basically, real life comes first, you know, meals and sleep and family activities and nephew's birthdays. And that is first. And then if there's any time left, then I do this. So some people play golf. Some people are on a bowling league every Wednesday night. Everybody has their hobby or their interest. And this is basically my hobby. So if I have 10 minutes on Monday or two hours on a Wednesday, I just do what I can with the time I have. And then if I don't have time, then I just don't have time. Of course, shipping items takes top priority. You you have to ship. But if you don't have time to list, then you just don't have time to list. But some Saturdays, it's like, okay, you know, I got to get the snow snowblower ready for the winter. I got to hang the bikes up on hooks. Got to take the dog to the groomer if we had a dog, you know, all that. And then the following Saturday might be, I got nothing. I'm, I'm free all day. So I get up early. I list 20 things. I go sourcing. I come home. I do this. So basically real life first, and then you fit in what you, I fit in what I can for the, you know, the hobby of reselling. Gotcha. Has it... Always been a hobby. You said you started on eBay clear back in 2002. So you've been at this for a while. Has, has it always been just a side kind of hustle for you? Yeah, it was super slow back then. Um, you know, I think eBay was in the news a lot back then. Um, you know, somebody would find a little teacup at a flea market and sell it for $800 on eBay and it'd be national news for three days. Right. <laughs> uh, so I got, Ooh, what is this eBay thing? You know, and back then, all we had was eBay for dummies, you know, the book, there was no YouTube, there was, there was chat rooms, but I mean, there was really no networking, no support of any kind. So you just kind of had to go it alone. And, um, so I started an eBay account. I'm like, I got to check out what this is. And it's dangerous because, you know, the lunchbox you had in third grade and all that stuff that you would love to have again, it's right there. Oh yeah. (laughs) You can buy anything. Um, so I started out buying a little bit of the here, a little bit of there. And then I had friends that said, you know, I'm going to throw this away. That That's my, you know, clicker right there is I hate waste and I hate throwing things away. Um, and my friend would have a book on World War II. And I'm like, well, don't throw that away. I could sell that on eBay. So they're like, here, and they give me a whole box of stuff that they think is worthless. Um, and then my dad, I think my first sale was a slot car. So he still had his slot cars from when he was a kid, like in the ni- early 1960s. And they were little. They weren't the big ones, but they were little. And there was three of them. So I listed them one at a time. And I went out and bought a Sony digital camera, which I still have, which is as big as a toaster. And I, I took the pictures. <laughs> and the first slot car sold for 80 bucks. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So the buyer messaged me and says, I'm going to mail you a money order. 
it took like, you know, a week to get there. Yep. Then I cashed it. You, you know, it took two weeks to process an order. Um, so I was hooked. I'm like, wow, this is cool. But super, super slow, just a hobby, just for fun. Um, I think it took me like two or three years just to get like 25 feedback. I mean, it was very slow. Yeah. Um, so it would, it would be hit and miss. I could go two or three years without listing anything. And then I would list like 20 things in one weekend and then I can go six months with nothing. So, um, yeah, I never really was really into reselling big time until like March of 2019. Yeah. And what, what prompted the change? What happened in March of 19 that triggered you stepping it up? I think my wife and I were shopping and we were just constantly finding clearance items and she, I give her the credit. We were at a shoe store and they had a clearance rack. It was like 70, 80% off for like head wraps and gloves. And I, I think she said, I wonder if you could sell this on eBay. And I looked at the regular price. It was like $28 marked down to like four bucks. I thought, yeah, that's a, a neat experiment. So I bought three of them and put them on eBay. They did horrible. They, you know, barely <laughs> sold. And then I started looking around the house. And I thought, you know, I still have stuff from when I was in middle school back in 19 you know, 79, you know, trapper keepers and Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So I dug it out of the box. I'm like, why am I keeping this stuff? It's just collecting dust. So I started putting things on eBay and just boom, boom, boom. They started selling. I thought this is pretty interesting. And it just, I thought, you know, what if I put 50 things on eBay? What if I put a hundred things? And then I started researching eBay stores. You know, it all comes down to the math, whether you should have a store or not. And I thought, paying like 30 something cents per listing. This is kind of dumb. Um, so then I said to the wife, I said, you know what? I'm just going to jump in and get the, uh, the first level store, like seven ninety nine a month or something like that. And, um, that's where it just started. It was kind of like an addiction. It's like, man, I could have been doing this for 10 years, but, um, yeah, it was retail arbitrage, my own personal stuff, just junk laying around the house. Um, I didn't think it would sell, and when it did, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Anything from, like, a package of socks, you know, new in, with the tags that you bought from Kohl's six months ago and you forgot to return it, and then it's just kicking around underneath your bed, yep. you know, just put it on eBay, and boom, it sold. So I thought, this is kind of cool. So just kind of uh, retail arbitrage, my own stuff laying around the house is kind of what got me started back into it. Yeah. How big is your store now? Um, let me see. Three... Let me pull up the tab. I think it's about 370. Um, of course, I keep selling stuff, so that changes. But let's see here. Dun, dun, dun. Listings active. I have 370. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, That's it, about the highest I've had in a long time. Yeah. Does the store stay fairly busy if you go... Because the, the anecdotal stories are that if you go a couple of days without listing, your sales mm-hmm. crater, and you're mm-hmm. going sometimes weeks or longer. Have you noticed that, or do your sales not seem to make any difference? I used to believe all of those stories, and some people, man, they'll go to their grave saying, this is absolute fact. You have to list every single day. Um, I think there's a guy, bearded, not bearded picker. It's another guy. He lists once a month. 110 items in one weekend and he's like i'm taking the rest of the month off and he has you know twenty thousand a month in sales so i've heard all the stories you have to revise your listings keep them fresh 
you have to list every single day. I don't know if it's true or not. I list every Saturday and I can sell one item a day every day. I can go five days with no sales. I can have five things sell in one day. I really, based on my experience, I don't think there's any truth to that. I think people either buy it or they don't. I do vintage collectibles, a lot of vintage collectibles, and either people want it or they don't. Um, and then there's the whole subject of promoted listings. Um, but I don't, I know there's a weird algorithm. eBay keeps it, you know, a top corporate a secret. secret. <laughs> that works. Uh, I'm sure if you ignore your store and don't do anything, it's not good. But um, I used to think you have to list every single day. And my experience is that's just doesn't, it's not true for me. Yeah. It probably, like you say, it, it's becomes a function of having the right stuff when the right customer comes along. And if you've got the thing that nobody else has got that somebody wants, eBay's of course going to surface that to the top anyway, whether mm-hmm. you've been listing all the time or not. So that's really yeah. interesting. So you say you do a lot of like vintage collectibles. Is that kind of your, your specialty or are you kind of a generalist? If you find something that you think is a good deal, you'll go ahead and throw it up there and see what happens. It's kind of a combination of an ex- of an experiment to see what I am good at and vintage collectibles. I just like, I just like the, the thrill of the hunt when you go to a Salvation Army and you see Fenton glass that's priced for a buck and you're like, Oh my gosh, I know what that is. Right. And you, and you want to buy it. And then part of it too is, well, I'll, I'll do retail arbitrage. I'll, I'll buy, you know, Sears craftsman tools new in the package you know, if I can go to a garage sale and get something for a quarter or 50 cents, you'd be crazy not to buy it. Um, but I really like the ephemera. I like the collectibles. I like glass. I'm a coin collector. So anything old, um, I like it because there's a lot less competition. If you sell like, you know, like a cell phone case, you know, you're competing with like 80,000 listings. Right. And good luck to you if you think you're going to sell it. But if I'm selling this music sheet from 1913, that's, you know, John Doe's, you know, follies. There's like three on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I list it and promote it at 1%, you know, everybody's going to see it. And then eventually it might be long tail, but it's going to sell. Sure. So that's kind of what I prefer is vintage collectibles. Um, I don't know my percentage. It's probably like 50, 50 uh, vintage collectibles versus bread and butter items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your take on promoted listings? You sound like you use them. Are you a, do you have an opinion on it? Everybody has one. So, yeah, well, that's one thing everybody has in this country is an opinion. Um, I think eBay or we call it FeeBay. I think they already charge way too much. Um, and I think it's sad that it's a race to the bottom where they all have us like where all the resellers are like piranha saying, Oh, you know, I'm going to promote it 9%. Um, if your margins are strong, if you buy something for a quarter and you have it listed for a hundred bucks, not a problem promoting it at 2%, 3%. It, it grinds me and I hate to do it, but it is helpful. And if you're and like I said, if you have competition, if you're, you're selling these headphones and there's 10,000 of them on there, you better promote it or you're never going to sell it. Um, but you know, if I'm selling a shot glass, and it's the only one on eBay. Uh, no, right. <laughs> I'm not promoting that at all. Um, so it depends on the competition, uh, what it comes down to. But I, I just really hate using it. It's like this love hate relationship. But I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I know people that promote eight nine yeah. percent. I'm like, are you kidding me? That destroys your margins. But 
Right. They they would rather have volume um, over high margins. You know, you can sell a hundred items and make a buck a piece, or you can sell one item and make a hundred dollars. Um, I would rather sell that one item for a hundred dollars, but some people are volume sellers and they're like, yeah, I don't care if the margins take a hit because I'm going to sell more of them. Right. I've not used promoted listings. Um, I've thought about it a couple of times and I just haven't pulled the trigger on anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not sure the categories I'm selling in necessarily make sense with that old Mm -hmm. CDs and records, but um, are there any other platforms that you like that you sell on regularly? I do like Macari's business model. It's fantastic for sellers. I love it. Problem is they have like one one hundredth of the audience that eBay does. That's the sad part. Right. Um, what is it about their business model that you like? Three day return policy is awesome. Yeah. So the buyer has three days to figure out if it's the right item, if it's damaged, if it was a mistake after three days, that's it. It's theirs. There's no returning it. There's nothing they can do. Um, you know, Poshmark gets hit with a lot of returns. People wear clothing for three weeks. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to return it now. You know, so eBay is the same way. PayPal goes back to six months if you do a, a return on PayPal. But, yeah, eBay, you know, item not as described and all that kind of, you know, things. It's, it's just rife for fraud from the buyer's point of view. And that does happen. It doesn't happen to me very often because I sell vintage collectibles and it's not a big deal. But, um, I like Macari's return policy. Their platform is super easy to use as far as listing. They don't have item specifics that are a mile long like eBay. Right. Um, shipping is easier to learn. eBay is very difficult for a new reseller to learn shipping. I mean, you really have to know what you're doing so you don't lose your shirt. Yeah. Um, Macari is a little bit easier for that. Um, so those are just some of the things I like about Macari. I've dabbled in uh, to Etsy a little bit, and then I just canceled my account. It wasn't for me. Um, Craigslist, I've tried, and I just get low-ball offers. Right. Uh, but the one I do want to look into is Facebook Marketplace um, because they do have shipping. And I just hear from other resellers, like, I'm doing fantastic on Facebook. Yeah. It is just growing, growing, growing. Um, so that's my next um, platform I'm going to research is Facebook. Yeah, I keep seeing the same thing. Sellers talking about mm-hmm. just killing it on Facebook Marketplace. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. I've not used Craigslist to sell. I've used it to source. I put out an mm-hmm. ad. I'm looking for bulk purchases of books or music or whatever, but I've not mm-hmm. I've not tried to sell anything there. Mercari hasn't really worked all that well mm-hmm. for me. And I don't know if it's when I had I had a huge stash of Blu-rays and those did really well, but like the music and the books, it's crickets. Mm-hmm. It's just not not yeah. really doing much. So do you use their shipping or do you ship on your own when you sell on Mercari? I just go whatever is on Macari and yeah. use their use their label or whatever. Mm-hmm. I only have right now. I have like nine listings on Macari and it, they're covered in dust. But it is weird. I had a coin on eBay for six months and got nothing. I thought this is dumb. I took it off. I put it on Macari. It sold in four hours. Right. So not sure what that's all about. But I think Macari, you know, has groups like video games, coins. Tennis shoes, certain categories do really well. So I think eBay has been around so long that coin collectors like me, they're very particular about the grade of the coin or who's selling it. It, It's so competitive, it's sometimes hard to sell. Then you throw it on Macari, and you've got no competition. 
Um, it was a 1798 large scent, and it was the only one on Macari. There was no none other. Where at eBay, there was 480. Right. <laughs> so you kind of get swallowed in the ocean there. Um, I thought, oh, my gosh, it sold in four hours. and That's awesome. So I guess you, you can get lucky on Macari every once in a while, yeah. but um, I don't know that it would ever compete with eBay. Not right, right now, anyway. Yeah. Um, are, are you on eBay's managed payments or no? I assume I not if you're still for, able to do coins. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm not. Um, yeah, I took all my coins down because I thought maybe my sales are down because eBay is waiting for me to get rid of my coins. I don't know. Um, I applied back in June, and then in July I was accepted, and they said, congratulations, you've been accepted. We'll let you know when it starts, and I've never heard back. So I think it was in October I had like nine coins on my eBay store, and I'm like, these aren't even worth anything. I'm just going to end all the listings. Maybe that'll kick in managed payments. I still haven't heard anything. So um, I hope they have all the the wrinkles ironed out by the time I start. Um, I know in the beginning it was a bit of a hiccup, but from what I've heard now, it's not a problem, and the buyers love it. So And the, the finances is better. You know, it's just a straight fee. Um you know, the money you get from eBay is basically your money that you don't have to pay a, a huge sum at the end of the month. So there's pros and cons, but no, I'm waiting for that email someday. I still haven't gotten um, invited to start yet. Yeah, there it's been kind of a slow roll, and they're still having hiccups. I think it was last Tuesday. It was supposed to be a payout day, and a lot of folks didn't get their money. There was some yeah, kind of glitch. Yeah, so they're, they're still growing pains. I think they mm-hmm. underestimated how difficult it was going to be to roll that out for hundreds of thousands of sellers. I think they were yeah. kind of caught by surprise at how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because even, I mean, just every website on the planet processes payments, but I think they use Aiden as their processor. Um, but eBay is a different animal. You're talking about an account with you know fees and what if you have bold print and there's a charge for that so there's a lot of management involved with them processing all the payments so yeah i think they bit off more they could chew um and it sounds like a bold idea um but i think that was the old ceo and he's he's bye-bye right so so yeah um i'm sure they'll work it out but um they don't really have much choice I mean, the, yeah. the relationship with PayPal is essentially severed, so they've mm-hmm. got to figure it out. It seems like it's taking a lot longer, and they kind of made it sound like if you didn't get signed up, you were going to be mm-hmm. out. And now I'm here, and it may be as late as 2022 before mm-hmm. they've got everybody converted over, which is, I don't know how mm-hmm. they're grandfathering all that with PayPal, because my mm-hmm. impression was that end of this year, that was done, and clearly that's not going to be the case. So, Yeah. I used to get those emails saying that you must do, and now the emails say most people should be on. <laughs> <laughs> so they've relaxed the language a lot. Yep, that is that is for certain. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that, while I've got you here, that you'd like to share with the people that might be listening to you for the first time? Um, as far as, like, reselling advice yeah. or... Yeah, I I just hammer this home with my, a lot of my videos is just do your due diligence and research. Um, a lot of people get disenfranchised and they're like, oh, I'm going to sell on eBay and Poshmark. And after three months, they quit. There's um, a ton of people that get into reselling and then they quit. And it's not easy. I, maybe some people make it look easy, 
Um, but it's work and you have to be a responsible person. Um, if somebody wins something or buys something, you have to send it to them. If you have two day handling, you have to ship it in two days. So there's a lot of responsibility that goes into reselling. Um, so my advice is to start extremely slow and do tons and tons of research. Um, cause you might not like it. And people ask me too, you know, where do I see myself in five years or 10 years? And basically, I constantly ask myself the same question every single day. Am I good at reselling and do I like it? And if I answer no to either question, then I just need to be done. Right. Because if you're not good at it, you're going to lose money. And if you don't like it, you're going to hate doing it and you're going to you're going to fail either way. So if you're good at it and you enjoy it, then keep going. But you have to be honest with yourself. And it's hard to do. Are you really that good at it? Are you not making any money? You right. Know? Um, or do you, are you good at it, but you don't enjoy it? It's just ruining your life. It's taking all your free time away. Um, so if you can say yes to those two things, keep going, start slow and just do tons of research. Yeah. The time trap can, can be a hard one. Um, I've kind of backed mm-hmm. off a little bit this week cause I could see myself getting a little burned out doing, I mm-hmm. was averaging 150 to 200 listings a week. And I'm like, man, I am, I'm pretty wow. crispy. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to woe this down a little bit. Do you think the uh, the YouTube channels have contributed to people thinking this is too easy to do and ultimately made it more um, difficult for people? Not all channels, obviously, but mm-hmm. some of them, they only show kind of the highlights. It's like the Instagram mm-hmm. posts. It's, you know, this is the best of the best, and mm-hmm. you don't see all the work that's going on in the background do you mm-hmm. think we as a, a community of creators would be better served or better serve our community by showing more of that type of stuff? Yeah. We, uh, me and Dominic primetime treasure hunter, we call it the good, the bad and the ugly of reselling, which is our favorite movie too. Um, yeah. I think there needs to be more transparency and I, by no means am I perfect, but when I do a what sold on eBay video, I, I tell people where I bought it, what I paid for it and what it sold for and how it shipped. I'm not going to get into all the math, but you can do the math yourself. If I paid five bucks for it and it sold for 10, I lost money. It was, it was a bust. If I paid a quarter and it sold for 50 bucks, you know, I probably made about 40, $38 after all the fees, um, shipping supplies and all that kind of stuff. So I do see a lot of resellers on YouTube that say, I sold this for 10. I sold this for 20. I sold this for a hundred. And that's all they say. Right. So if you're new to reselling, you might think, oh, this guy, that guy just made $700 in one day. Well, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, he's not telling you all the expenses. Um, but that's not his fault either. You know, you have to do your due diligence and research that yourself. So I think some YouTube content creators, they say, you know, I sold 30 things in one day or I listed 100 items today or they're motivational resellers. Um they, they spend hours um, motivating you and trying to get you encouraged, um, which is not a bad thing. But um, I think more transparency would probably help yeah. reduce that frustration for new resellers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people really have a grasp of how expensive it is to resell, mm-hmm. the, especially if you're on eBay, like you said, with all the fees and you, you, know, you mm-hmm. want to do something special with your title and it's an extra buck. Or, I mean, it, it really can <laughs> add up in a hurry to try mm-hmm. to set yourself apart. And if your margins are thin, that kind of stuff can just eat you alive. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So 
Go ahead. Yeah, I, le- I learned that too a long time ago. The shipping is what killed me. I, yeah. I like you. I watched your video where you sold those books, and I think one of them or both of them were free shipping. Well, you got to be really good at it to list something that big and heavy with free shipping. Because what if it sold for twenty bucks? <laughs> you know, you're screwed. But you know, if it's three hundred dollars, you're going to eat that shipping. Is no big deal. Right. A new reseller, like when I was back in two thousand two, I, I sold like five big books really heavy um and they only sold for like 18 20 bucks and i put free shipping or whatever are really low and the shipping costs more than what they sold for so um yeah the the new resellers i hear that a lot is you know the shipping is just so hard for them to figure out i'm like i don't want to be that mean guy but i i tell them why did you list it if you didn't know how it was going to ship you never ever do that right so if you're going to list something you better have the box or the padded envelope it's going to go in off to the side because that thing could sell in five minutes. You know, you can't just at 10 o'clock at night and run off to Walmart and hope they have what you need. So never, ever list anything if you don't have the shipping supplies right. and you don't know how it's going to ship. You can't just guess. You have to know. Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I thought I knew. And, you know, they're weighing it with their hands. <laughs> yep. Like, no, yep. no, no, you can't do that. Well, and even so, that... I had this conversation with somebody the other day about the dimensional weight with the post office, you know, a 15 pound item that is fairly small versus one that's fairly big. There's a huge difference in the shipping cost Mm -hmm. just based on the size. And I don't think most people, new resellers Mm -hmm. have any understanding of that. And they, Mm -hmm. you know, they put that item on their scale, not in a box or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be nine bucks. And then all of a sudden it's 30 (laughs) and all the money's gone. Right. So, yeah, like a giant plush that's worth $8. It's like, well, how are you going to ship that thing? That thing is three feet by two feet. Yep. I mean, but you got to think about those things. Probably going to have to go FedEx, and it's going to cost, you know, 18 bucks to ship, and you sold it for $8. So, yeah, that comes with experience. But, yeah. you know, I, I hate, you know, being that nag, but you have to research that. If you, you know, you've got, like, some, like a giant beach ball, which you would let the air out. But if you have something sure. that big, and it's worth five bucks. Don't just list it on eBay. Stop. Hold on. How is that going to ship? You got this styrofoam ball that's three feet in diameter. Okay, it's got to go in this giant box, even though it only weighs a pound or two. But do you know how much it's going to cost? Do you know how you're going to ship it? Right. It's not going to go USPS. It's going to have to go FedEx or UPS. So some people are just like all excited and they list it and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Right. Like you say, not until it's sold, (laughs) then all of a sudden, oh gosh, what do I do now? Right, right. You want (laughs) to totally avoid what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Let everybody know where they can find you on the various social media or your YouTube channel and all that. So, and I'll link to all of this in the show notes in the description below, but uh, just let everybody know kind of where they can find you. Sure. Um, easy way is midwestpicker.com that will link to just about everything but on Instagram I think I'm midwest underscore picker I think if you just search midwest picker it'll come right up um, but yeah those are, are the main ones my eBay store I don't even remember the name your your daily deals I don't even remember um, I don't really promote my eBay store that much at all um, but yeah YouTube obviously is midwest picker Instagram, I think it's Midwest underscore picker. I'm not sure, but MidwestPicker.com will link you to everything I have. Gotcha. 
Well, I mm-hmm. really appreciate you taking some time out to yeah. talk to us, and uh, I wish you well for the, the rest of the holiday season. I hope business is good, and uh, I will probably catch you on one of your lives coming up uh, fairly soon. All right. I'm glad to be here, and I had a good time. Appreciate it. Thanks much. Yep. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as Dave and I did doing it. Uh, We had a really good time. Hopefully, we'll do something like that again. Please be sure you check out his YouTube channel. Uh, As I said, he does a live show every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. That's really entertaining, so be sure to check it out. With that, we are going to take a really quick sponsor break for those of you listening on the podcast, and then we will be back with the news and more. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. News updates. All right, let's get into this news. Man, I wish it was better news <laughs> out there. It is it is pretty rough. Uh, Etsy has joined the ranks of eBay and some of the others that are warning buyers and sellers about shipping delays. Uh, Etsy warned sellers on Monday of shipping delays and advised them to get those holiday orders in the mail. The message was added as an update to a seller handbook article on shipping deadlines. Quote, due to United States shipping carrier delays, holiday delivery timelines may be a few days longer than expected, the message continued. It also said Etsy was letting shoppers in the U.S. know that some orders may be delayed. That is about as generous a statement as I think you could make on this topic. I literally have packages going back to November 27th that have their acceptance scan from when I dropped them off um, with the bulk shipment sheet at the post office and nothing since then. So, and that's coming up on uh, rapidly coming up on a month. So it is, it is really, really rough out there. Uh, sellers said in many cases lately, USPS itself, to my point, was not scanning packages upon acceptance on December 15th. A seller responding on the thread said, quote, I started noticing this about a week ago and about 10 packages I sent out all said pre-transit for several days. Then they suddenly showed that they were in transit and then delivered. Another round of several is now showing the same thing, pre-transit for days. And like I just said, I've got stuff going back to November 27th that's still showing that acceptance scan. I've had several that showed that, and then literally the next scan that they got was when they were delivered. There are no scans in between. I had one package that got clear across the country to California and was scanned as refused. When I reached out to the customer, he messaged me back right away. Oh gosh, no, I went and picked those up. I love them. Thank you so much. So it's, uh, it is very, very messy out there. So kudos to Etsy, maybe a little late getting that warning out, but uh, at least they're finally on it. There's an article in the Washington Post uh, continuing on with this theme, USPS gridlocked as historic crush of holiday packages sparks delays. Private carriers, FedEx and UPS, have cut off new delivery orders for some retailers that have already exceeded their quota 
And this has rerouted a lot of mail into USPS that they were not anticipating. Uh, Postal employees are reporting mail and package backlogs across the country and working vast amounts of overtime hours that have depleted morale during another surge of coronavirus infections nationwide. Uh, One postal carrier in Philadelphia said, I don't think anyone, including the post office itself, knows just how bad the delays are. The Postal Service told Congress in a recent report that only 78.9% of first-class mail was delivered on time during the week of November 28th, which is well below its internal goal of 96%. People have been commenting, I ship a lot of media mail, so I'm not surprised a lot of times when my stuff gets delayed a little bit. But first-class and priority shipments are also being caught up in these delays, which is really problematic. People pay up for those levels of service, particularly priority. And there are things that are supposed to be two and three days that are turning into two and three weeks. So uh, not, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. Everybody knows this is a problem, but it is, it is in the news. We're all getting the same thing. We're getting requests for refunds and cancellations and buyers sending messages. And all you can do is refer them to articles like this in the Washington Post or directly to the USPS website where they have a bright red banner across the top saying they are having delays. Uh, Continuing on in this article, quote, everybody is doing their best to try to accommodate this. There's a reality, though, that the increase that has been seen in the package industry was really planned for over the next three or five years instead of three or five months. It's a real conundrum to have that much growth in that period. So there you go. Uh, Pretty bad. We're all experiencing it. Uh, To their credit, eBay again this week has stepped up even further than I reported last week. As of December 16th, they are now saying transactions occurring from November 15th Through December 31st, they are adding the following seller protections. We will automatically remove any defects for item not received, cases closed without seller resolution, as well as associated negative or neutral feedback if these conditions are met. Tracking was uploaded and has a physical scan from the carrier before the case was opened. A delivery scan shows the item was delivered after the case was closed. In addition, these cases will not impact your service metrics rating. We will also remove negative or neutral feedback related to late delivery automatically if an item arrives late, but tracking shows that you shipped on time. For items in transit, we are keeping cases open for 10 more days from the time the buyer asked eBay to step in to allow additional time for the item to be delivered. We've also added the following message that buyers see when they view their tracking information on eBay to let them know that there may be delays and to allow extra time. If you've gone into eBay to look at tracking, you've already seen this. High shipping volumes are causing some delays. Please allow extra time. So again, to eBay's credit, they each week now have stepped up and added a little bit more to the seller protections. I personally had one case where before the item was even due, a buyer submitted a payment dispute with their credit card company, which eBay, of course, sent to me. I sent them back the tracking and said, this thing's not even due yet to be at the customer's place. Uh, eBay ruled in my favor and threw the dispute out. To this point, the item is still not delivered, so I may still be dealing with this in a bit, but uh, at least for the moment, 
I'm clear on that one. Moving on to the ongoing PS5 Xbox Series X drama, The Independent in the UK reports, UK politicians want to solve the major problems with the market for PS5 and Xbox Series X, which has been blighted by resellers and bots. (laughs) Uh, Since both consoles were released last month, they have been nearly impossible to buy through retailers. That is in large part because of the resellers and the bots buying them up in bulk. Now, an early day motion proposed by a host of SNP MPs suggests that the law should be changed so that, quote, new releases of gaming consoles and computer components should be available to customers at no more than the usual recommended retail price and that they should, quote, not be bought in bulk by the use of automated bots, which often circumvent maximum purchase quantities imposed by the retailer. So I mentioned this probably a month ago that there was some push out there to potentially litigate this process out of existence. The UK appears to be one of the first to seriously consider that it's on the table in their government right now to outlaw this practice. Unfortunately, that horse is already out of the barn. Most of the damage is already done this time, but nonetheless, it is something that's being looked at in the UK. So be aware of that. Uh, Walmart just published a big notice on their site that they are actively trying to prevent bots from accessing their system and that they are also retroactively canceling orders that appear to have been made by bots. So this practice for these big reselling groups that utilize the technology and the bots may be coming to an end here in the very near future. This console generation, it's probably only got another five or six months of, you know, this big a hype in it anyway but these things will certainly affect this in the future. Lastly, for some just some good, interesting news in reselling, uh, Mercari continues to spend money like they got it. Uh, They just announced that they will be the new title sponsor of the Texas Bowl for the NCAA football, Uh, the Big 12 versus the SEC, Lone Star Sports and Entertainment, and ESPN Events, announced earlier this week that Mercari, a Japanese e-commerce company, will be the new title sponsor of the Texas Bowl. We are excited to welcome Mercari as the new sponsor of the Texas Bowl. Uh, Texas Bowl Executive Director David Fletcher said in a statement, the Mercari Texas Bowl has become one of the biggest college football events in the country through a strong partnership with the Big 12, SEC, and many great supporters in the Houston community. We are thrilled to add a partner in Mercari, one of the most exciting new brands and e-commerce platforms in the U.S. to further elevate the event and the experience. Mercari, which has offices in San Francisco, is, of course, a selling app that has been downloaded more than 100 million times worldwide and features 350,000 new listings each day and continues to lose massive amounts of money in the United States. That's not in the article. That's me. (laughs) Uh, So kudos to them, I guess, for trying to kind of expand their advertising and promotion horizon by sponsoring this game. Uh, Lord knows if it'll actually even get played. If you follow NCAA football at all, man, it's it's been really rough out there. Multiple, multiple games have been canceled. There are teams now threatening to boycott bowl games if family and friends are not allowed to attend the games. So this thing continues to be very, very messy. But uh, Mercari, 
spending it like they got it. All right, let's recap what was a really weird week. I guess it really shouldn't have come as a big surprise, but the week was really, really front-loaded. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday in particular were, it was all I could do to keep up with the orders that were coming in. By Wednesday, things started to taper off. Thursday, Friday were fairly slow. I had a decent overnight Friday night into Saturday, and then it dropped way, way off. So between people becoming aware that there are significant shipping delays and we're bumping up against what would have legitimately been shipping deadlines anyway, business has started to ramp down, at least for me. Let me know in the comments or send me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know how your business tracked over the last week, but that was certainly my trend. In addition, for those of you who are new to the podcast or to the channel, I have another side gig. I do dealer trade drives for a local Volkswagen dealership that I used to work for. This week, I had not one, but two drives for them. So I essentially lost two days of listing. So my listing number this week is the worst it has been in a very, very long time. The combination of those two days and early in the week, all the shipments, I just wasn't able to hit any any kind of goals for listing. So unfortunately, 90 for the week is all I managed to get done. That is far and away the lowest number I've done in a long, long time. I would expect next week and probably the week after, because it's the holiday, I'll be at or below that number. I'm not targeting a really large number of listings for those two weeks. Uh, My goal at this point really is to clean up kind of the books that are behind me. I have finally, finally (laughs) finished sorting the 2,500 book lot that I bought back in the first part of October. So after three months, I'm through that lot. I now know what I have like partial sets of, which books are not worth messing with. And I've got everything separated out. So now I can kind of finish up the listings of those and then decide what to do with, uh, with the rest of that stuff. So that's kind of what I'll be working on for the next week. In terms of business, as I mentioned, very, very front loaded, but all in all, it was a pretty good week. Total sales for the week, 16, 71, and 37 cents. So above average, by far not a record by any stretch, but pretty good. Cost of goods sold for the week, $54.39, leaving me a gross profit percentage of 96.75%, which is pretty solid. I will I will take that. Uh, gross profit dollars, 16, 16, and 98 cents. Operating expenses for the week, essentially eBay fees, my eBay invoice came due, and shipping. That was it. No extraordinary expenses. I may, next week or the following, make a big resupply purchase of shipping materials, padded envelopes and boxes, so that I can get those expenses on this year's profit and loss statement. I'm going to need to get that stuff anyway, so I might as well reduce my tax burden (laughs) for this year. So I may do that in the next couple of weeks. For the week, net profit, 54.92%, which is really, really good, $917.93, which is a number I would definitely, definitely live with. So All that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again to Dave Midwest Picker for taking some time out during this busy holiday season to interview with me. Let me know again in the comments what you thought of that, what you think of these interviews. I've done two now 
one with and one without video. Next week in this space, we will be interviewing Brandy from My Reseller Treasure on YouTube. Um, Hopefully, you'll be able to catch that. It's kind of weird with the Christmas being on Friday. That episode will drop, as always, on Sunday at noon. So please be sure to come back and check that out. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.